0: We are Sugar by Half, a not-for-profit, independent organisation led by a team of health experts and business professionals who also happen to be concerned parents. We are passionate about a future for Australia where people live healthier lives through the reduction of sugar-related diseases. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Sugar by Half. My name is Daniel Velado, and today we are thrilled to be joined by Dr. Shah, cardiologist, medical expert. Dr. Shah is a cardiology and vascular specialist who is passionate about peripheral arterial disease known as PAD and managing diabetic foot ulcers. He advises other doctors on medical technology, artificial intelligence in cardiology and how to use medtech to save limbs and save lives. Today, Dr. Shah we'll be discussing diabetes and PAD. Dr. Shah, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Daniel, and my absolute pleasure being here.
0: Thank you very much. Can you start by telling us about your fascinating journey?
1: So I grew up in India, and uh, India, as you may know, is uh, it's an interesting country because Um, When I grew up, India was starting to get the Western influence with the Western lifestyle in terms of diet or, you know, poor dietary habit, I should say. And obviously Indians are prone to having poor genetics, including very, very, very high prevalence of diabetes. I mean, India, they said that there's going to be, India is going to probably like be leading in terms of diabetes numbers very soon, if it's not already. So growing up, I saw... an incredible surge of cardiovascular disease. People getting uh, a lot of heart attacks at a very young age. And when Indian uh, or subcontinental Asian, I, I should say, when they get the heart attack, um, it presents in a very different way. People get those heart attacks at a very young age and they get it when they have uh, lack of symptoms. Unlike their Caucasian counterparts or Hispanic counterparts, they don't tend to get the typical chest pain and angina so it was truly an epidemic proportion of um, cardiovascular disease when I was growing up and that made me very interested in, uh, in cardiovascular disease and I decided to make uh, it, it my life's mission to go and try to help fix those blockages, you know, when people come in with those blocked arteries. So that's what I do. I'm an interventional cardiologist. I moved to the U.S. to get my further training. I worked in Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York City um, training under some of the best experts in the world. And, you know, I made my life in, in uh, fixing these block, blocked arteries. What I realized in this journey is the same way people get blockages in their, their heart arteries, you get blockages in the leg arteries. And, um, and you know, not surprisingly, when people get blockage in the leg arteries, uh, they can get symptoms, but also there is a risk to the limb. Sometimes, uh, you know, when people have these wounds and ulcers, they don't heal. And blocked arteries in the leg is the number one reason why people get amputation. As I, you know, progress further in my career, I realized that this amputation, whether it's at the level of a small pinky toe or whether it's, it's at the level of your hip joint, every level of amputation leads to much worse consequence down the road. And, you know, what we have in common is number one reason for this is diabetes. So it's almost as if, like, when people are diabetic, it affects every organ system, right? And um, heart is is obviously the most vital one, and we see that most common. And in developing nations, that's where you see the first brunt. When a civilization progresses, and we all learn, you know, how to detect heart attacks, how to prevent heart attacks, how to, you know, how to, how to hopefully screen it early on, and you know, with the stress test and whatnot, and and prevent people people from getting myocardial infarction and heart attack, later on, they, you know, if they live through that, we see the civilization suffering from further consequences of diabetes, like peripheral arterial disease and amputation and, and what we call the limb ischemia. So that's what got me very interested in vascular disease. And, and now I've made my life's mission to not only deal with blocked arteries in the heart, but also with blocked arteries in the legs and dealing with peripheral arterial disease and critical limb ischemia and diabetic foot ulcers.
0: Excellent. I like there, your life mission to fix these blockages. I think that's quite powerful and, and well done on the work that you're doing. Sounds like you have come a, a fair way with that. So great work there. What is peripheral arterial disease or pad as we refer to it?
1: Yeah, so peripheral arterial disease. Periphery means the the arteries outside the heart. You know. So the heart arteries we refer as coronary arteries, anything else outside uh, the vascular is, is periphery. So peripheral arterial disease is is typically blockage formation in arteries uh, outside uh, the heart. So in the lower extremities, arteries of the, uh, that feed the brain, the carotid arteries, renal arteries, um, arteries, subclavian arteries, vertebral arteries, any other artery except for the heart artery, is the, is the peripheral artery. When there is disease of these arteries with blockages is what we most commonly refer as uh, peripheral arterial disease very similar to peripheral vascular disease which is a broader term and peripheral vascular disease involves not only arterial problem but also peripheral venous problem which is sort of uh, similar to arterial problem uh, but it's in the venous system um, and uh, we also fix that.
0: Why is it crucial to check for peripheral arterial disease?
1: Because peripheral arterial disease is uh, is a very serious problem. Undetected, peripheral arterial disease has three pretty bad consequences. Number one is uh, it can cause a wide variety of symptoms which can uh, impact people's lifestyle. Uh, Peripheral arterial disease can cause pain, discomfort, achiness, cramps, discoloration in people's lower extremities. Um, It leads to such a lifestyle problem that people can't perform their day-to-day function. They wake up middle of the night with cramps. Um, they get uh, Charlie horses, restless leg syndrome. They can get um, very debilitating symptoms. So that's number one reason that it's important and crucial to check for peripheral disease because a lot of this problem are prevented um, if, if detected early on and, and fixed um, before it's too late. So, and then the technology to improve uh, and fix the problems has, has also progressed a lot. So nowadays we can fix large majority of this peripheral arterial disease with interventions without even having to cut anything open, just with minimally invasive techniques. So that's number one reason. Number two, peripheral arterial disease, if progresses further and it gets into what we call critical limb ischemia, and another term that I like to use that people can relate is, is a diabetic foot attack. Um, so you know when we use the word heart attack, most people immediately recognize that it, one of the arteries in the heart is completely blocked, causing an you know deadly uh, lack of blood flow to the heart, causing pretty bad consequence. What most people don't relate is critical limb ischemia is a form of peripheral arterial disease when your limb is not getting blood even it's at rest. And this is why all you know this is why foot ulcers in diabetics don't tend to heal. Uh, this is why uh, people end up uh, getting amputation. Uh, It's a pretty severe form of peripheral arterial disease, if you may, and it leads leads to a lot of downstream consequence, which is not just related to to the limb, but it's related to rest of their livelihood. Uh, And this is why I like the term diabetic foot attack. So not checking peripheral arterial disease can actually make diabetic foot ulcers worse and can lead to this diabetic foot attack, which is the second reason why we should check and it's crucial to check for peripheral arterial disease. And the third reason to check for peripheral arterial disease is when people have peripheral arterial disease, you have to assume as if they already suffered from a heart attack, already suffered from a CVA. In other words, their prognosis, their, their likelihood of getting future heart attack or stroke is 20%, which is one in five. So one in five peripheral arterial disease patient will end up getting a heart attack or a stroke or potentially die from it within 10 years. So that's why, again, peripheral arterial disease is what we call CAD risk factor equivalent, which is coronary artery disease risk factor equivalent. So the risk of peripheral arterial disease is as high as somebody who's getting dialysis uh, or somebody who has um, already suffered from a myocardial infarction or a stroke. So these are the three reasons, you know, because it's, it affects the lifestyle, it, it impacts the limb prognosis, and it, it impacts overall prognosis of people's livelihood. So that's why it's important and crucial To check
0: for peripheral arterial disease. Yeah, see a few things you said. You know, a wide variety of symptoms. You know, impacts people's lifestyle. You know, getting up in the middle of the night with cramps and things like that. Um, And you said that twenty percent potentially can die from from having that. So that's yeah, very very serious and quite serious. So this term that you've just been using, diabetic foot attack. How do you prevent a diabetic foot attack?
1: Yeah. So what I would recommend is. You know, if you're diabetic, and I know a lot of your listeners are diabetic, um, you know, I think uh, it, it is important to understand the consequence of diabetes, right? I mean, it's, everyone knows, you know, in theory that you got to, you know, manage your sugar, and I think your mission is, is you know, reducing sugar intake, which, which is along the same thing. Um, of course, diabetes control is very crucial. So if you want to prevent diabetes, it starts with the very basics, right, that control your risk factor, which is control your diabetes and your sugar control. The blood pressure control in diabetics is more important than blood pressure control in non-diabetics because the ill effect of diabetes and, and, and hypertension augments each other. So that's why controlling other risk factors like like blood pressure, cholesterol becomes very important in, in diabetics. Um, finally, important to pay attention to your feet, right? If you're diabetic, make sure that you haven't formed an ulcer because oftentimes diabetics get peripheral neuropathy and they don't get to see their own, um, or you know, they don't feel the symptoms of pain, discomfort, even if they form an ulcer or opening in the skin, sometimes it completely goes unnoticed, especially if it's in between two toes, um, depending on the level of diabetes, you know, they don't realize because they don't feel the sensation. So examining feet on your own is very important. Um, and when you go and see your healthcare provider, very important that they take your shoes and socks off and, and thoroughly examine your feet to make sure there is no cracks, make sure there is no opening, there is no skin ulcers, there is no gangrene, anything along those lines. So regular feet exam. make sure somebody checks your pulses and make sure you have good strong pulses in your lower extremities. Uh, these are simple techniques to make sure you're not getting any ulcers or wounds. And of course, if you have a wound or an ulcer and if you're diabetic, absolutely 100% don't like ignore it, thinking it's gonna heal make sure you get you know, see a healthcare provider, make sure you don't have peripheral arterial disease. So screen for peripheral arterial disease is another way. And I guess one of the most important way you can prevent diabetic foot attack, which is do simple testing. Preventing and, and detecting peripheral arterial disease is very simple. It requires blood pressure test of your legs. Everyone knows blood pressure test of the arm, same way we can check blood pressure at the ankle level and the test is called An- ankle brachial index or ABI. It's a very simple te- test. It takes less than 20 minutes and it can tell us if somebody has any blockage or not. Same way we can also check blood pressure of the toe. Each individual toe, you can check the blood pressure, what we call toe brachial index or TBI. And this test can tell us if somebody has uh, any uh, blood flow limitation uh, to their toes. And again, again, it's, it's a simple non-invasive test highly accurate, very sensitive and specific, and uh, very immediately pick up if somebody has perfusion, the skin perfusion or the tissue perfusion is low uh, or not. And of course, if you have a wound or an ulcer, we can also che- check something called TCPO2, which stands for transcutaneous PO2, which is oxygen level, oxygen checking level of, uh, at the tissue level, which can tell if there is lack of blood flow to, this, uh, to the feet or not and detecting doing all this thing can help prevent and detect if somebody has peripheral arterial disease and of course if they have low perfusion and if there is a blockage already there see an endovascular specialist or a vascular specialist who can go and open the blockage so nowadays we can very easily do what we call balloon angioplasty we can do atherectomy uh, we can do uh, you know various endovascular intervention which doesn't require anything to cut open uh, we can put a, fix everything through catheter-based intervention and improve blood flow of the foot and, uh, and prevent this foot attack before it gets worse and people end up losing their limbs.
0: So a couple of things you said there was, you know, control diabetes, control the sugar intake, have a look for foot ulcers, and you can do blood pressure tests of the lower limbs and the legs. Um, all good strategies to try and prevent um, a diabetic foot attack coming in. You mentioned before about, you know, heart attacks, and we've all heard heart attacks. So is a foot attack worse than a heart attack?
1: I don't know if it's, I mean, you know, it's in a way it's worse, right? Because it can come very, um, very subtly, you know, nowadays heart attack, heart attack is obviously the term I would like to use. It's a beast that we have managed to control. Like most people from like at the patient level, at the community level, there is understanding that if you are having cardiac symptoms, so. The recognition is so instant that the outcome oftentimes is better in heart attack patients because people immediately recognize that they're getting lack of blood flow, they get chest pain. When they call They go to the emergency room or they call their healthcare providers, they immediately recognize the symptoms and everyone understands that minutes means muscles. If you don't act within minutes, when your arteries are shutting down, you lose muscles. The, the level of understanding is so prevalent now all over and there was there were so many movements to uh, to raise awareness for heart attack and myocardial infarction that most people from like at the community level to the hospital level to healthcare provider everyone recognizes so the outcomes in heart attacks are knock on wood a lot better because the recognition is there for a foot attack unfortunately it still goes very undetected undiagnosed uh, not only most people who have diabetes, but even healthcare providers, a lot of podiatrists, a lot of primary care doctors, a lot of emergency room physicians do not recognize that uh, someone having a foot attack, that their, their ulcer is not healing or they have a wound that's not healing. And the reason it's not healing is because there is lack of blood flow. So because it goes undiagnosed, um, these foot attack patients will end up losing their limbs. Uh, And oftentimes, you know, amputations, 82% of the amputation in, you know, in globally happen because, um, because there is, uh, there is, uh, you know, peripheral arterial disease and one in three diabetic foot ulcers are still getting amputation of some level, uh, which is a very high number, if you ask me. And, you know, knowing that 80% of them are from peripheral vascular disease and large majority of them are preventable. So, uh, you know, in the United States, there are over 100,000 amputation annually. And again, a large majority of them are vascular, which potentially are preventable. So, you know, this is why I think a foot attack is, is worse in my opinion than a heart attack. Because remember, when you get this foot attack and when you lose your, your limbs and when you get this uh, amputation, their, their consequences are much worse because people who get amputation at one level are the same people who will now get amputation at a higher level, right? If you lose your foot, there's a high chance now you're going to get amputation at the knee level. Now the same person will get amputation at the hip level. Now they will put more pressure on the other foot and they have, uh, you know, they they have peripheral arterial disease in the other foot as well, other leg as well, higher chance that they're going to form an ulcer or a wound of the other foot and then they're going to end up losing that leg. Now these people can live their life so they end up going to nursing homes oftentimes, or they, they you know, they get ulcers in, in the back, what we call decubitus ulcer, because they can't move. And then these people will end up getting urinary tract infection. These are the same people who can, you know, who will end up getting pneumonias because they keep going in and out of the hospital. So their entire, you know, lifestyle completely changes. They, they will get GI bleeding. They will get a heart attack because of these lack of exercise, Uh, they will go on multiple medications, get antibiotics, get antibiotic resistance, will get uh, antibiotic-related diarrhea. So we see this all the time that one event, which oftentimes is amputation, changes the trajectory for the rest of their lives. So that's why, in my opinion, foot attack is pretty pretty bad. And unfortunately, in a way, it's worse than a heart attack.
0: So that's that that you just mentioned, 82% of all amputations globally are um, potentially preventable and due to um, pad, essentially. So that's that's very, very scary, isn't it? Yeah. Something that we can control.
1: Most yeah, people don't realise
0: that, yeah. Yeah. Um, why are diabetics at greater risk for foot problems, including non-healing wounds, diabetic foot ulcers, and peripheral artery disease?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so diabetics are at greater risk for foot problems, including non-healing wounds, diabetic foot ulcers, peripheral artery disease, and critical limb ischemia, because um, three reasons, right? Diabetes affects um, arteries and causes peripheral artery disease, and diabetes also causes neuro problem, peripheral neuropathy. So that's why diabetics oftentimes don't have the sensation that non-diabetics would have. So it gets, it gets unrecognized very easily because they feel like they're walking on cloud, right? You will hear a diabetic saying this all the time that when I walk, I feel like I'm on a cloud and not in a good sense. They don't, they don't have, um, you know, they get this pins and needle sensation. And when we do the nerve testing, the, uh, the, the nerve conduction testing, we do recognize that there is a lot of diabetics don't have the sensory nerves. They don't also don't have the autonomic nervous dysfunction. So the, the way your nerves control your blood vessels in a way so that auto regulation of the blood vessels get impacted in diabetics as well. So they they are more likely to get a a wound, you know, a a cut on their foot because they don't feel something like if, if they walk on a sharp nail or they walk on a, on a small piece of glass, or they, when they try to cut their toenails and they, you know, they have an injury from toenail clipping or something, those things they are more likely to have because they may not have the same pain, pain sensation. That, you know, otherwise non-diabetic, if they cut their skin a little bit, they will know, but diabetics may not. Number two, diabetics, because of high sugar, the diabetics will a- attract more bacteria. So diabetics are often at more risk of catching infections all over, whether it's a skin infection, whether it's a, it's a bone infection and the subcutaneous tissue level. So, and then the, the type of bacterial infection that you get in diabetics is oftentimes more serious. So that's why diabetics, we use different type of antibiotics oftentimes. Um, and that's why they are at more risk of getting wounds, more risk of getting those wounds infected. And then obviously, finally, as I said, there is lack of blood flow. So even if they have infection and they, somebody sees it, they recognize it, they put them on oral antibiotics, the antibiotic will not even get there because antibiotic has to get into the bloodstream and get through the blood flow into that bone level because the blood is not even flowing there, antibiotics won't even get there. So that's why even on the right antibiotics, the ulcers won't heal, and it will take a lot longer for our ulcers to heal. So that's why, you know, diabetics, unfortunately, at every level, they get into issue in terms of uh, their healing process. And that's why, again, it's important that there's a multi-modality approach, you know, that it's important that everyone recognizes this problem, identifies and work I- instantly.
0: There's just a couple of things you said there, Um, you know, the the loss of sensation. So they've potentially cut themselves, but they can't feel it as much as someone without diabetes. Uh, The high sugar intake means a higher chance of infections. And then, you know, the lack of blood flow. So those antibiotics may not be able to reach the the areas they need to, to try and fix that uh, wound. So all very serious there on, you know, on the diabetes front. What are the risks for someone who has diabetes and is a smoker?
1: Yeah, so that's a pretty uh, pretty serious uh, and, and a bad combination, right? I, um, risk always augments in medicine, right? If somebody is a smoker, their risk of getting peripheral arterial disease is two to three times more than, than somebody who's not a smoker. Um, and somebody who's a diabetic, their risk is, is, as they said, 400 times more. You know, it's, then, then, I mean, four times more than uh, 400% more than somebody who is non-diabetic. But when you have a combination, your risk doesn't go like, you know, I always say two times two is not four, two times two is 22. So your risk goes 20 times more if you are diabetic and you are a smoker. Then the question is not if you have peripheral arterial disease or peripheral vascular disease, then the risk, is there is a guarantee, almost a guarantee. In In the lifetime, if somebody is a diabetic and a smoker, they're gonna get a degree of peripheral vascular disease. They're gonna get a degree of blockage. Question is, you know, they're lucky the blockage will not be critical or it will not be in a critical artery, uh, but, but, you know, the odds are against them. So my recommendation is if you're a smoker, if you're a diabetic, definitely don't smoke. I mean, don't smoke, period, you know, obviously, but if you're a diabetic, really, really be like on top of uh, your health. And, uh, you know, diabetes and smokers obviously have very high risk of all kinds of blockages, from coronary artery disease, Myocardial infarction, cerebrovascular accidents and strokes, kidney problems, dialysis, you know, because at the end of the day, it's the same vascular tree. So if you get blockage in your carotid arteries, you get a stroke. If you have blockage in the heart arteries, you get a myocardial infarction or MI, which is heart attack. If you have blockages in your leg arteries, you get peripheral arterial disease and, and limb ischemia and amputation. Blockage in the kidney arteries will get dialysis. Blockage in the aorta will cause aneurysms, which can rupture and cause a problem, uh, which is another huge problem in smokers because um, smoking is uh, number one reason for people getting abdominal an- aortic aneurysm, which is another form of uh, peripheral vascular disease. And, uh, you know, it's in one of the top five causes of death because this triple A's can rupture, it can clot off. Um, so if somebody is 65 and smoker, they should be automatically be screened not only for peripheral vascular disease and lower extremities, but also for abdominal
0: aortic aneurysms. Those stats that you just mentioned before are pretty scary. So a smoker is two to three times, um, you know, likely to attract this. If you're diabetic, it's four times higher. And then a combination of both is 20 times higher. And as you said, they're almost guaranteed to pretty much get it. So hopefully we can uh, help these people live a healthier life and, and prevent this from happening when when people approach you and you practice with this disease how do you go about treating it and, and you know what are the steps that you that are involved for you to help these people out
1: yeah so you know if anyone has any um you know i mean of course we we help them out in uh, at, at every level you know i want to educate the community i want people to be i know these are very grim statistics and you know they are obviously a little bit scary but but rightfully so right i mean it's a, until it happens, people don't get to see the, the bad consequence, right? Until people lose a toe and then a limb and then see how bad things happen, it's all our fair game. So I think, you know, sometimes we have to present the right picture to them. So we give them tools, you know, we give them tools in terms of how can they control their diabetes better? We give them tools in terms of how can they help themselves from smoking, right? So cessation. everyone knows what are the good habits, but forming habit by itself is not easy. And habit formation is a skill set that most people never learn. Like, how do you form habits? You know, do you focus more on, you know, everyone knows what are the right habits. So so I really take my time in coaching people. Like, how do you form habits? Like one step at a time, right? It comes down from belief system. You need to have a strong core belief system, who you are, rather than saying, I wanna, you know, just, just take an example. If you are if somebody who's trying to quit smoking, and someone offers you a cigarette and you say, well, I'm sorry, I can't smoke because uh, I, uh, I'm trying to quit smoking. So that's one strategy and it's somewhat successful. Second strategy is saying like, Oh, sorry, I don't want to smoke because I'm not a smoker because now they, they're not only trying to quit smoking, they have a belief system saying that they are committed to not smoking. So, you know, I really go down on on the formation of uh, habits, like how do you form a habit? And I think, you know, that's, that truly makes a difference in in helping in prevention. Of course, we help on the clinical side with helping people detect where they are in terms of their risk factor. We do their testing in the office um, and, uh, you know, help with the treatment plan. If they have a blockage, uh, we can open it. So we do what we call endovascular interventions where, you know, we put a catheter now. So if somebody has a block artery in their femoral artery, which is the arteries between the hip and the knee or the tibial arteries, which are below the knee, we can pass a catheter, which is what we call endovascular intervention. We can pass a wire and we balloon the artery, which is angioplasty, or cut the, the plaque from inside, what we call atherectomy. And then if they, you know, and sometimes we have to put something called a stent. So we do atherectomy, angioplasty, stenting, all those things can lead to endovascular intervention and restoring blood flow providing perfusion so there are multiple ways depending on where somebody is on the spectrum we can truly help them out uh, from prevention all the way to uh, early detection screen them and treat them when the problem is before it's too late
0: perfect i like what you said there about changing habits i think that's definitely the right way and the right approach to to try and do i'm a a, uh, nutrition and health coach and it's all about trying to change those habits and make empowering people to make their own decisions and become you know in control of their own life and and take action on, on what they need to do so great work on that mate and well done where can people find information and follow your work
1: yeah, so you can always find us on our website, which is uh, www.apexheartandvascular.com. Apex is A P E X, vascular. Uh, I mean, heart and uh, com. Uh, and our email is there, which is uh, Dr. Anusha at apexheartandvascular.com. And any questions they have, any comments there, we'll be very happy to uh, to answer those questions. Um, you know, we have our own YouTube channel, they can follow us. We have a podcast as well, like a SoundCloud account where, you know, I have certain podcasts about how to make a difference in their uh, diabetes health and peripheral arterial disease. Uh, but any question, you know, they can always email me. Uh, we'll be very happy. I, I do webinars every now and then, so they can also, if they have any questions, they can answer them. And, you know, we have practices in New Jersey right now, multiple locations. If somebody is local in Jersey, we'll be very happy to see them face-to-face. We're also doing televisits. You know, if somebody's in the United States, uh, you know, all across the U.S., we can see them on. Uh, if they need more serious help, we'll be very happy to do a consultation on on televisits and virtual visits right now. Um, so multiple ways uh, where we can be helpful.
0: Yeah, perfect. We'll put them in the show notes as well, so people can get those links. Um, you know, and contact you if they've got further questions that they would like to get in touch for. Sure. And just our final question. If you could only offer one piece of advice for our listeners to lead healthier lives, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: Um, An ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure, right? So uh, just just pay attention. You know, prevent yourself uh, from getting into dire situations. So prevent from getting diabetes. If you're diabetic, prevent yourself from getting diabetic foot ulcers. If you already have diabetic foot ulcer, prevent yourself from getting amputation and uh, prevent yourself from getting the cardiovascular consequence um of these things so at every level prevention works
0: every level prevention works i like that nice and easy to remember and, and grateful our listeners to you know act on so prevention 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 perfect well doctor thank you so much for your your time today i know you're in new york we're in melbourne um Yeah, so thanks for trying to tee up this time and and contacting us to get involved and, you know, we're loving the work that you're doing and I found tonight very informative and thanks for sharing those statistics and all the information regarding PAD and ways that we can prevent things and, you know, as you said before in, in that interview, just regarding education is so crucial and the more that we can get the message out to people so they're aware of all these issues and, you know, your last tip there is to prevent as much as we can, so thank you for all the work that you're doing mate really really appreciate it and hopefully things can improve in in new york with covid and you guys can get a uh, some normal christmas happening in a month's time so thank you very much
1: thank you so much for having me daniel and i wish you a warm christmas you know i, I really want to experience one of the days this warm christmas that you guys have uh and i hope we can follow the footsteps of melbourne with uh zero cases in 20 days. That's phenomenal. Uh, We are keeping our fingers crossed, hoping for the vaccine. And once again, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, again, if any of your listeners have any questions, I'll be very happy to answer them.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.